welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. So, Chris, come on, let's cut to the chase. Um, Stu mentioned the, you know, 16 weeks. So um, how long on average would a conveyancing tra transaction take with you guys? You know, uh, it, it can vary depending on these offices and periods in the economy and with lockdown and so on. But generally, um, uh, eight weeks, uh, unless there's a target date um, further down the line, and then you'll aim at the target date, right? Um, uh, there could be delays in getting a bond and still trying to get the purchaser and the sellers willing to, to give more time. But that's when it's, a, when it's an exceptional case or there's a reason for it. Usually eight weeks, but uh, we've done it in six. Um, Done it in five on occasions. If you don't have a bond cancellation, you don't have a bond, and you paid in cash. You know, there's no reason why you can't do it quicker. Uh, you, you, in our case, you're mostly delayed at the moment by uh, our local authority here, the city of Cape Town, um, who implemented a new system in October last year. And normally, when they implement new systems, it's a, it's a problem. Right, it takes a while before they mm -hmm. sort it out. <laughs> so we, uh, at one stage, waited six weeks to get my figures, right, uh, rates clearance figures to pay the rates uh, and then get my rates clearance, which I have oh, to lock. Yeah. yeah, but um, and if I'm not delayed there, um, then I'm okay. You know, I mean, um, and even with a bond cancellation and a new bond. And even it's three weeks after acceptance of the offer when, when the purchaser could only get his loan and it'll become a final contract, um, we could still make eight weeks. Gosh, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit scary, Stu, do you not think? <laughs> it is, isn't it? But it is a different system. And, you know, if you're acting for a buyer and a seller, um, there's obviously a lot of lag time that you're going to cut down there in terms of communication where you might be dependent on another lawyer. So I can see why that system would be quicker. And also, you know, not having to uh, act for the bank would be a, a humongous benefit for us. Yeah. Um, again, you know, we're always under a bit of a burden in terms of reporting matters to the bank where we're not sure what the, the broker may or may not have said. So, again, we're always looking at reporting things to the lender. So I think, you know, I can see your system, why it would be quicker, um, because I can see the there is a lag time that maybe you didn't have that, that we have to incur. Gosh, that's fairly, yeah, it's fairly significant. I mean, Stu and I say all the time, Chris, um, one of the big banes for, um, you know, lawyers over here in the conveyancing process, as Stu said, is, is acting for the lender on the purchase. Uh, and of course, what we certainly find over here, and again, one of Stu and I's constant refrains on conveyancing matters is, um, because we have professional indemnity insurance, because we're properly insured, um, everybody wants to place the liability on us. So if something goes wrong, you know, the bank will try and get the lawyer on the hook. If the client's got even a slight complaint, they'll try and get the lawyer on the hook. Um, you know, it, it, it's absolutely constant. Um, and, and I think we've been quite poor as a profession at sort of taking on more of that over the years, haven't we? I think one of the things that um, a lot of people um, outside of our profession don't understand, and maybe we don't explain enough, is there are lots of things that banks don't accept with property. So, for example, if you're buying um, a leasehold property, there's a number of things a bank won't accept. So it could be a doubling ground rent. It could be the term of the lease. 
There's things that we have to look at that connect us with the title that we then have to report to the bank. Um, and certain banks have different criteria to other banks. So some yeah. will lend on a flying freehold. Um, one particular one might not. So there's loads that we have to look at, not necessarily for the or for the benefit of the client, but you know whether the bank will accept it or not for the purpose of their lending. I think yeah. that's a lot of the time where we get sucked down with the uh, the admin side of the process. We have some of that, uh, probably not nearly as much as you, but I mean, we, if a bank, um, if, the, if the seller is a, is a company or a close corporation, which is like a mini company um, um, or a trust, uh, the, bank will, the bank who grants a loan to the buyer will go to great lengths via their attorneys to put pressure on me or requirements of me uh, to prove that the deal was so secure. Right, that the, the, the shareholders uh, had a resolution uh, to the proper effect before the deal, that the directors were properly appointed, the directors had a resolution for the same thing, um, and all down the line, and the accountants uh, given their certificate on the company status and details uh, and the resolutions, and we all get that. But we usually get that fairly okay, fairly fine, you know, uh, um, uh, if not, you just got to phone and speak to the boss, you know, and, and, and get it done. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but we, we get that as well. Um, but uh, there must be more stuff on your side, obviously. Or you must get rid of the second convention. Well, yeah. it's funny, but we have, you know, conflicts of interest are just such a massive thing over here, Chris. And we've got two main regulators one of which regulates, well, you know, solicitors, the Solicitors Regulation Authority, which is very much against the same solicitor acting for seller and buyer, um, and actually the Council for Licensed Conveyancers, which actually, you know, is the regulators, you know, Stu's firm has chosen, which has a, a different attitude to conflict between the seller and the buyer, and albeit they allow the same firm to uh, to act for seller and buyer in the same transaction there are certain sort of um stages that have to be gone through and the clients have to be aware and you know still different people in the firm have to act you still can't have you know the same solicitor we couldn't have chris acting for lorraine and lorraine and Stu buying um but i think if there's no title issues as such and if the banks are separately represented well i think the and if you're telling the buyer to get a, a survey because of the well equivalent of caveat emptor, then, well, Stu, I don't know what you think, but many of the sort of inherent conflicts that you and I would have to deal with are largely gone because the banks exactly. are separately represented, the surveyors done their bit, uh, and we get involved in all that. What, what do you think, Stu? I think that's exactly it. I think it's more coming down to, to sort of doing the actual conveyance in itself um, rather than uh, worrying about, you know, all these different things that we have to go through and, you know, there's so many layers to everything that we do. It seems to be apparent that you guys don't have those layers. Um, and I think, you know, the ability to, to sort of, you know, look at a transaction, look at a property and make a decision without having to, you know, go via another lawyer to find out information, you know, without having to potentially report it to the bank is most definitely where sort of all our, our sort of time gets, uh, gets lost, I would say. Yeah, it's really oh. interesting. Sorry, Chris, go on. Yeah, no, uh, it is possible here for a firm uh, who is on 
let's say all the banks panels. We've got four major commercial banks here. We really most of the bonds. There are others. Um, uh, is there on a bank panel for bond registrations and for bond cancellations? You can do the transfer and the bond cancellation and the new bond. There's no restriction on that. Um, not even if I'm doing it all by myself, you know. Um, um, but I mean, the banks do their bit as well. I mean, these days with 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 uh, you know online. Uh, instructions and uploading of documents to the bank. Uh, they do nothing or they don't allow their bond cancellation attorney to, to lodge without them being happy the guarantees are in place. Um, uh, the, the new bond uh, practice, releasing the new bond, uh, the same. I mean, they the bank will not allow them to lodge in a batch with any other attorney uh, their bond documents unless the bank is happy. They get a proceed from the bank. So once they get a proceed from the bank, I mean, the attorney has done his bit to full extent and the bank is satisfied and off you go. So, Chris, what would you say then? Um, uh, you know, it's a bit like what's your, you know, your favourite colour and what's your favourite food. But which would you say are the, you know, what would you say is the best part of the, of the you know, the conveyancing process with, with, within your jurisdiction, because you've heard about the, you know, the grim bits of ours. And, and if you could improve one, one area, what would you improve? So really, what would you say are the sort of best and worst aspects of the process in, in, uh, in South Africa, Chris? Um, well, I think the security of title uh, is, is, is a very little worrisome for us. It's not really an issue. Right, we're pretty much sure it works. So we, but of course now, um, uh, what can be better would be to have less admin, but you've got more admin. Um, and, um, um, and to get the other role players such as your local authority um, and banks at times to be more cooperative and getting it done you know, more smoothly and quickly. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, we are all manual in the sense that I still lodge a physical deed by hand in the deeds office, get examined in the deeds office by three examiners, junior, senior, and then the, the last uh, top of the range one, um, before it comes out with notes, right? Telling me, well, you know, there's a discrepancy here. We find in the records that this person may misspelled differently. Uh, find out what is wrong and fix it. Right. Um, uh, so that's where we are with that. Um, and those surprises can jump out, but generally it's not a problem. Um, the deed office at the moment is very cooperative. It's really a seven workday cycle, I would say. And um, uh, yeah, and at the moment, as I say, just the local authority. So your so your method of actual. Um sort of transfer of the title, Chris, is still literally turning up to an office with a deed in your hand. It's, it's completely manual. Yeah. I mean, in the old days, we lodged two, right? One which they filed in a book there. So <laughs> now they, 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 they scan or microfilm it and give it back to you, right? Yeah. Um, um, but you still have your physical title, uh, the original, which if you lose it, you've got to have it properly replaced by the deeds office. Oh, that's interesting because obviously our land registration system is very sort of different to that because it's all computerized now yeah. um, and it has been for a long time um, and we physically don't have to go anywhere 
now, you know, we can complete with anybody at any time in the country, well, Monday to Friday during banking hours, but, you know, we physically don't have to go anywhere. I mean, I'm sitting in my office at home uh, and I could, I mean, I don't now because I only locum, but I could, um, you know, I could run a transaction with Stu in his office and neither of us would have to go anywhere. So how did you cope, Chris, as a matter of interest with, I mean, because clearly, you know, the pandemic, um, uh, you know, hit South Africa very, very hard. You've had very, very stringent lockdowns, um, you know, much longer and, and more stringent than ours. Um, so how did you cope with that practically? The, you know, the, those are issues uh, around the fact that so much of what you do is face to face and manual and physical handing bits of paper over. How did you deal with that in the lockdown? Well, I'm um, only just. Um, I dealt with that, really. I'll tell you what, of course, there were periods, five weeks initially, when um, we couldn't go to our offices. We were like at home, right? Um, home arrest. Um, and and, and uh, uh, then the DIT office was extremely um, panic-stricken. I don't know what you call it. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, you couldn't actually work properly with them uh, and still now at this stage, our clerks and our um, article clerks, uh, candidate attorneys, can't go into the deeds office. So uh, my colleague Mareka and I do everything uh, from when we need to do a search on a property, uh, on the deeds office records, we can do that after executions, right? So this morning I went uh, to execute our transactions and I got handed in applications for lost copies or, um, you know, and, went to uh, look for if a servitude was applicable or not, and then I'm back. Um, so I could spend an hour or so, hour and a half, maybe on a morning three times a week or two times a week, we alternate uh, to do that, right? Attorneys away from Cape Town, don't do that. We do that on their behalf. Oh, so okay, the agents. I was going to ask you that, because did you say you've got nine deeds offices across the country? So nine are, are your convincing firms tend to be sort of centered around where the deeds offices are based? The city firms, yeah. But I mean, there are uh, firms, you know, in every little corner of the country. Uh, so those guys we call our correspondent attorneys and they are, we have a personal relationship with them. They've seen us the work. So they'll do the, the, the preliminary work will be done in, let's say, a town like Montague or Carcamas. And uh, um, they will, uh, do this whole story with a contract and the FICA and everything. And then when the documents have been signed, they'll send to me the signed power of attorney, the transit receipt, the rates clearance, the old title, and maybe the new title, unless I do it here. Um, and tell me, I'm going to link with those attorneys for the bond cancellation, with those attorneys for the bond, uh, bond new bond. And we uh, also in town, of course, we link up and then finalize it here uh, at a share of the fee. Uh, so that's how it works here. Gosh, to you, that sounds like sort of days of yore for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds, uh, yeah, I can't, it's struggling to get my head around that one. It's uh, as a long time ago that we used to do things personally. And, uh, you know, even now when, when we see sort of our transfers with original stamps on, they, they seem very weird. Yeah, it's a funny old thing. So you were not affected, but I mean, uh, I can tell you um, last year for a big part of the year, I go, went every, every day to the D's office and I would stand up to four hours in a, in a queue to get in. Oh, my word. So they would only allow a certain number of, of people inside the D's office um, 
in case of COVID, you know, I mean, so distancing and whatever. Um, and that was pretty ridiculous. I mean, uh, we had a curfew until four o'clock in the morning and sometimes we'd be there at four, right? Uh, or just after four to get in by eight or maybe 8.30 or nine, right? Uh, or you just come here really late. Some people would just only come at 10 and then get in by maybe 11.30. And, and sometimes not be able to do their business because they just are too late. Uh, so that was quite challenging. Um, made good mates there in the queues, you know, met your colleagues and uh, put names and faces together. And it's actually quite good. I know now maybe three times more conveyances personally from having done that last year. Gosh, that's interesting because what the pandemic sort of caused over here, Chris, was an, a really an even greater sort of hastening of... Uh, of, of, of everything being sort of, you know, computerized online. We're, we're awash with what's called prop tech over here, property technology companies getting into the market to, to um, streamline uh, parts of the process. But what that's ended up with, and I can, you know, I'm independent because, you know, I don't work for anybody apart from myself. And what I see, Chris, over here is that from a prop tech point, it's just led to a massive fragmentation of the market. So you've got different companies that offer, you know, anti-money laundering and ID checks. You've got different companies that do, a, you know, searches, for example. You know, it's just becoming very, very fragmented. Um, yeah. And actually, to my mind, um, I don't think that's necessarily going to speed the process up because you've got just a whole load of different you know parts of the process now that we sort of didn't have before I mean I don't know your views Stu but yeah I think that you know there's a there's a lot of sort of problems that some of this tech can solve and a lot of tech has solved problems that we never had in the first place so there's a there's always a balance to it um, but everything over here is now digitalized so um, yeah so in terms of COVID it, yeah, it would have been completely different to what you've had to go through. Well, yeah, we, we, we I mean, since 1997, I think, I've attended, I've attended little talks at the D's office about electronic lodgement, right? Yeah. Um, they will not go, have to go there physically, you can lodge electronically. Well, and we had a very serious talk about that just before COVID, and it was going to be implemented in 2023. Now, for the last two years, there's been no talk about it, right? Um, and uh, I'm pretty certain, you know, I'll bet all my Bitcoin um, on it not being implemented next year uh, or in the next 10 years, maybe. Even. So why do you think that is, Chris? Because that's really interesting. Because what it's the. Driven by the state. It's uh, driven by the state. Yeah. And what, so what, what's the, I mean, is it a lack of money, a lack of will? Uh, is there a vested interest? Does, do, do they think that everything will be hacked? Yeah, if it's a state guarantee, are they worried about hacking? I mean, what's the, what do you think is the underlying reason? I actually don't know because you, you don't get news about it. They just disappear. Now, I'm not so sure, you know, whether it is just our government um, or governments in general. I mean, I think our government and our state, uh, you know, the... Um, state management is not as good as it could be. Uh, uh, that's just, you know, a very, very uh, soft uh, comment on that. Um, you know what Milton Friedman said, right? If you, if you ask the government to manage the desert, they'll run out of sand in five years' time. Now, <laughs> that kind of thing uh, would still happen 
um, you know, uh, in government. I mean, there was just so much going on here that should, but it's not being done at home affairs or wherever. Um, that you know, I'm not surprised that this project hasn't come off the rails. We can't get mediation properly going in in our courts. There's now a loose rule which says we must mediate in, in the process, but uh, mediation here is not really driven by the state. Uh, and, and uh, well, I suppose to be fair, Chris. I mean, I was a bit shocked a few years ago to to discover that, you know, um, Cape Town was one of the sort of, you know, first major cities in the world that might have run out of water. So I suppose maybe if, if that's the case, then maybe electronic deeds lodgement isn't top of the list. Um, but, um, well, Chris, we could probably talk about this all day, but um, we've, we've taken a goodly chunk of your time. And, uh, and you know, it's been really, really interesting. I'm, you know, really interested that you're on the one hand experiencing similar frauds to us you know around sort of emails yeah. and hacking but on the uh, right at the other end of the spectrum you're still having to go and stand outside a building to complete so Stu, that's really interesting for us isn't it well, that, that is not even that's not even the virus fault it was the lockdown uh, restrictions fault i mean you yeah. could have done it differently than that right it was not really necessary but it happened yeah, well, I, I'm, I must thank you for really, I mean, I understand your system and your frustrations much better. I will not be immigrating to England. Um, <laughs> well, to be honest, Chris, you better, you better stand aside and open the doors because I can, I can see you're going to get a stampede from Stu and I. I might come and do some work experience. I love Cape Town. So, um, Cape Town is a great place to live and work. So, yeah, come and join us. Yeah, well, I think if I ever get over there again, I will certainly come and knock on your door. But, uh, Stu, that's been really interesting for us, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been really interesting and insightful, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Um, thanks for joining you. us, Chris. You take care now. You too. Thank Bye. you. Bye.